Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I am Zach, and I'm hanging out with Randy. What's up, Randy? I'm doing great, Zach. I'm stoked about what we're going to be talking about today. I'm stoked that you just said stoked. That's pretty (laughs) fun. Um, With the new sort of direction that we're we're being a little more intentional about where we're going with the podcast. Maybe Um, a few less rabbit trails and a lot more sort of directed at. A particular direction. We can try our best not to go down rabbit trails, but if I know us, we're going down some rabbit it's, trails. Yeah, it's not going to work, is it? Point being, Randy, Randy's right though. We we need to. We're, we're trying to to focus our efforts on apologetics. We're trying to focus our efforts on faith stories of people living out their faith in this very real, very tangible world. And I know sometimes the Bible can be a little. It, we can distance ourselves from it. It can seem like a story or something, yeah. but it's it's real, and, and, and I that's suppose, the connection. But part of what we're trying to do is to prepare you uh, to be able to share your faith in a meaningful way. Right. What uh, is it, Timothy? Who says uh, – uh, is it the book of Timothy uh, that all Scripture is – Yeah, that's uh, Timothy uh, God uh, 3.16. Yeah. Right. And, and it's useful. That's useful. First thing that's the word. Useful for all teaching. scripture is useful for teaching, correction, reproof, and and discipline. Right. We're also told biblically to to have a defense for your faith. To and always that's have First that. Peter. Right. Yeah. And, and so we we want to be able to do that for you. The name is Salty Saints, and so let's live up to that a little bit, right? Let's let's. We be want salty. you to be salty. That's right. Um, so. You know, if if Christianity is a relationship with God, if if that's what our religion our, our religion is all about, it's it's about a relationship with God. Then we decided that we think the best place to start is an in, an introduction to the God that we we say we know, to the God that we love, to to know Him better. We need to know who He is. A relationship with God is kind of different from uh, most other relationships that we have because most other relationships that we have, there is something in flesh and blood sitting on the other end of the relationship, whether that's a a, 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 a friend, a, 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 a person of the opposite sex, or, or whether it's a dog. Right. You know, we have a relationship with something that uh, 
a body is there. With God, a body is not there. So it makes sense to kind of stop before we even get started and say, so if Christianity is a relationship with God, then let's find a little bit more about the God that we have a relationship with. Absolutely. And to add to that, you know, all the other relationships we have, they're flesh and blood. And that being the case, you've probably been burned by relationships before. Maybe yeah. you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want another relationship. Yeah. But we want to reassure you in knowing that that God, who seeks to be in relationship with you, is perfect. And he doesn't burn people. He doesn't let people down. He doesn't do you dirty. He He's looking out for you. And it may not always seem that way because we don't always understand things. But that's why we need to know who he is so we can better understand, even when things are hard, that he is firm in who he is because he's unchanging. And that is one characteristic of God. And I think that's a good one to start with, that he's unchanging. And so we can build on top of that. Everything else we learn about God, we know that that is just how it is. That's right. That's right. Um, it it kind of keeps with uh, uh, good Christian theology as well. When the when the church started, um, one of the ways that they communicated their theology was through creeds, through repeated statements. And uh, we have a number of creeds out there. The oldest one is probably the most basic one. It's called the Apostles' Creed. And in that, it starts out, I believe in God the Father. And then the second section is, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son. And then the third section is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So it takes God in his Trinitarian form, Father, Son, Spirit, and uh, it just talks a little bit about each one. Right. Uh, who they are, uh, what what their function is. And so maybe that's a good place to start with. Who is God? He's triune. He's, he's, he's three persons in one God. That is really impossible to fully hash out. We can't totally wrap our heads around that fact. The church struggled with that over centuries, and I'm I'm still not sure that we totally, totally understand it. Um, but God is three in one. Right. Um, what, what, did we want to go forward naming different names of God to like yeah, dissect yeah, the attributes? You know, that's, that's kind of classical theology. It, it usually starts with the names of God and uh, moves on from there. And the reason for that is in uh, Eastern cultures, uh, names are just so important. In fact, a lot of kings, when they became a king, they took a brand new name. King Solomon, for example, uh, that wasn't his birth name. Uh, his his birth name is given, and I forget, Jedediah or something like that. And uh, he becomes uh, heir to the throne pretty early on, and he has a name change uh, to Solomon. The name conveys something of the reality of the person behind the name. And it's no different with God. God has several different names uh, in the Old Testament. Probably the most generic name is Elohim, which is Hebrew for God, or actually gods. But when it's used referring to God, uh, 
it's always translated in the in the singular and in fact the verbs that are used with it are also singular verbs so it's obvious that in hebrew they were thinking of elohim as a name for god right the other thing is you said it means gods but really in in sort of our modern worldview um well i mean in theirs too but to kind of dissect what what god means it it's spirit it means spirit um now we signify yahweh god are the and that's another name we'll that's get another to that. name yeah i think we'll get <laughs> but, to that next but but we we signify him by capitalizing God with right. a capital G, right? Because that's that's how we know, like biblically, when you read a capital G God, that's Him. That's Him. Little G God, that's any other spiritual being of the Bible. That's and even and you brought this out to me. Uh, even some heroes are called Elohim. Even Samuel, right? I guess the the ghost of Samuel, the ghost of Samuel. When the witch of Endor or the or the medium of Endor, Saul asks her to to bring up Samuel from the grave. Uh, scripture says that she saw an Elohim coming towards her. Right. And so it's not a ghost. It's a spirit. It's, it's, the, it's a God is what she says. I saw a God coming up out of the ground, but we know Samuel from the Bible. He's a man. He's not a, he's not a God. And so, so it, it's spirit. It's a spiritual being. So the word Elohim, when it refers to God it's just a very generic name for God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't think that there's any great significance other than that attached to it, just that this is God. Now, it's interesting that frequently when the word Elohim occurs, it occurs in the context of one of these other names. Um, it's kind of interesting, too, because the term Elohim is almost less a name when describing anything but God and more a type of being. Yeah, kind of a title, isn't it? it well, it, I mean, we're we're physical, and then okay. anything that is Elohim is not physical. Okay. It's okay. the other type of thing that exists. Gotcha, that makes which sense. Would, which would, I guess, be spiritual, but, but then he gets it used as a name. And real quick, before we go any further on the names of God, I was reminded of a quote that I actually heard the Spoken Gospel, uh, which is a great podcast. You should check them out sometime. Uh, but they quoted um, a J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, the Two Towers quote. It's uh, Treebeard from Lord of the Rings. And they ask him, what is your name, right? I remember that. Yeah, and he says this. He says, I'm not going to tell you my name, not yet at any rate. A queer, half-knowing, half-humorous look came with a green flicker into his eyes. For one thing, it would take a long while. My name is growing all the time, and I've lived a very long, long time. So my name is like a story. Real names tell you the story of things. They belong to in my language. In the old Entish, as you might say, it is a lovely language, but it takes a very long time saying anything in it because we do not say anything in it unless it is worth taking a long time to say and to listen to. And so I love that. that, that It's God's name is growing all the time. And Treebeard kind of like 
shows a little glimmer into God's names right there. The, the, well, and, and let's remember that, maybe after we, we do a couple of the, the most common names of God, we can just hit a list of other names of God and... It's amazing just how many there are. There's there's and, there's uh, 15, 20 different names for God. Oh, at least. And each of them are there because they describe him. They and say they tell a story. It, they tell a story of who he is. Um, and so wh- which one did you want to move on to next? Well, kind of the other one, uh, you already mentioned it, Yahweh, uh, actually Jehovah is the way it's written in a lot of our uh, scriptures. And uh let's let's get into why that is that way when moses says to god who is telling him i want you to go into egypt and lead my people out of egypt i want you to free them moses says who me and god says yeah you now moses goes on and he has a million and one reasons why it shouldn't be him and finally in one of the reasons he says what if they ask me what your name is? I don't even know your name. How can I represent you if I don't even know your name? And God says, my name is I am that I am. And it's a very, very strange construction in Hebrew. There are just four consonants. Hebrew is a language. Uh, it's written in consonants. And then vowels are placed either above or below the consonant. And that's kind of how you know how to pronounce it. So the four consonants are the English transliteration Y-H-V-H. And when they wrote that down, we'll come back to what that means, but when they wrote that down, the copyists who were copying scripture did not want to reveal how to pronounce that name. They didn't want to say the name. They didn't want to write the name. Why? Because it's God's personal name. It was too holy for them to write. So they put vowels above the consonants from the word Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord. Well, Adonai, Y-A-H-V-A-H, Yahweh, Yahweh. We figure the name was pronounced Yahweh, but the bottom line is we really don't know. We can't know for sure. A good Jew an Orthodox Jew, reading Old Testament in Hebrew today, which they do a lot, when it comes to that four-letter name, will never, never say what we say so glibly, Yahweh. Instead, they will say the word Adonai, Lord, or they will say Hashem, the name. But they will not attempt to pronounce God's name. It's too holy for them, too holy for the copyist to write, too holy for them to pronounce. Which, not to skip ahead, I mean, podcast and podcast and podcasts from now, we will talk about this, I'm sure. So please remember this moment. 
when we talk about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is important. That's right. This is important. Um, so back to what that name means. The bottom line is we don't know exactly what it means, but at least we know that God is saying, I exist. I exist. I am with you. It's I am me. here. <laughs> My name is, it's me. Uh, if, if they ask you, who is God? Tell them, I exist. I am. I'm with you. Well, well, it's me. Tell, tell them he exists. He uh, is. That's <laughs> right. He, he exists. Right. He's, he's there. That's the amazing thing about this name. God's personal name is that he wants to be with us. Right. He wants to be in a relationship. It's like he's saying, I'm right here. My name is, I love you. Right. <laughs> Absolutely astounding that God, the creator of the universe, as Moses is talking to him right then, what Moses sees is this flame shooting up around this bush. and The bush is never consumed, but the flame is never consumed. And standing there, Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am. Right. It's me. Wow. Well, well it's, it's almost like a, that's enough. That's enough. That's all you need to know. Like, yeah. I am exactly who you think I am. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't, you, like, I'm, I'm beyond your understanding. I just am. In a very real sense, I think what the Lord is saying is, you can't describe me, Moses. You have to experience me. Here we stand, you standing there and me fluttering here in this column of fire. Who do you think I am? And Moses, he fell on his face. He, right. he, he just, he was, he was gobsmacked. He, he, he couldn't do anything because he was in front of God. That's who God is. That's what his name is and that's the story that his name tells and continues to tell now the interesting thing we talk about the lord god that name as a name lord god yahweh elohim only occurs in the first three chapters of the bible hmm. only in genesis one through three what happens there God comes down and interacts with the world. He creates the world, creates Adam and Eve, uh, watches man fall into sin. And as of Genesis 4, he is never again the Lord God. What he is, he might be the Lord, comma, God of your fathers. The Lord, comma, God of Israel. And the way most translations deal with that is the Lord God of Israel. But I think what it's doing, it's saying his personal name and then God of something. God of Abraham. God of Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. God of your ancestors. God of Israel. Okay, so when you say um, that it is talking about the Lord God, is the Lord in the first, like in Genesis, when you said that name's only mentioned there that way, is it saying Yahweh? 
Yeah. So even in the beginning, in Genesis, yeah. it's saying Yahweh. It does. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. And this is this is that rabbit trail that we foresaw. When people refer to Jesus as the Lord, are they saying Jesus Yahweh? No, because... That's in Greek? Typically, yeah, it's in Greek okay. or Aramaic. And Lord by that time was a title as well. Gotcha. Uh, a title of respect, a title of honor. Okay. I understand. Um, okay. That's interesting. Um, what other names? Well, so another uh, big name is El Shaddai, the Almighty. That's an, that's an interesting name. It's one that was given, the, the patriarchs used it quite a bit. In fact, uh, when uh, God reveals himself to Abraham, he identifies himself as God Almighty. Genesis chapter 17, um, Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. He identified himself as the Almighty. Uh, the Hebrew there is El Shaddai, and we have songs written about El Shaddai and, and whatnot. It is the reference to the Almighty. The uh, patriarchs tended to use the name Almighty, I think out of honor to God and and kind of recognizing it's another part of the story of uh, who God is, his incredible power. When they came in contact with God, they were all amazed at the power of this supernatural being, this this God, creator of the universe, that now, in some manner, stood before them and was talking to them. And again, they were just blown away by the whole experience. Okay. And and is that common? That's common throughout the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, the book of Genesis, it occurs quite a bit. It's interesting that the book that uses it more than any other book is the book of Job. Okay. Now, Job, we're not really sure when it was written. Uh, aspects of it seem like it was written fairly late, but the theology is really early, so we're not totally sure what's going on there. But when Job talks about God, his preferred word for God, name for God, is the Almighty. So El Shaddai. Because he sees God as incredibly, incredibly powerful. It's used a lot also in Psalms, uh, a little bit in the prophets, but it comes back into prominence in the book of Revelation. In Revelation, you've got about ten times that God is called um, the Almighty. In fact, looking here, uh, Revelation 9.16, I heard the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters. They were saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. You get those three names there. Lord, God, Almighty. It seems like where it occurs, there's a reference to the power of God. Jehovah, or Yahweh, seems to be a reference to his relationship with man. You mentioned um, 
when we were talking about where we were going to go with all this, you mentioned Melchizedek. Did you say he referred to him as the Almighty? Or as Almighty God? That's a fourth name. That's a fourth name. Yep. Want to go there? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because that's something that's something that's kind of interested me. Um, like with Job. Is it possible Job was pre-Israel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, theologically, it looks like he was kind of contemporary with Abraham, which would be pre-Israel. So, I mean, is it possible that Job, I mean, obviously Job knows that there is a one supreme almighty creator God, you know, that he's worshiping. But, I mean, it, he wouldn't have necessarily seen that through the Israelite scope. He wouldn't have seen that through the Hebrew scope if that's, that's right. the case. That's right. And so I, I find it interesting that that's the term he uses. I mean, rather than the Lord or, you know, he calls yeah. him all-powerful, almighty, almighty yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's interesting what Job knows about God through that name and through other things. He would sacrifice to God, mm-hmm. so God deserves honor and sacrifice. Uh, he behaved in a certain way because he knew that there were moral requirements. Right. Um, he probably didn't have all the 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 cultic law. Right. He didn't make sacrifices like the Book of Leviticus talks about. But he sacrificed to God. He prayed to God, and uh, so he still understood his character, God. though. He understood his okay. character. But that's why I asked about Melchizedek in relation to that name, because Melchizedek would have also been pre-Israel. Melchizedek is also pre-Israel. Where Melchizedek comes, he's mentioned three times in Scripture. Uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, Abraham's nephew Lot is kidnapped. Uh, a group of marauders take him. They take... Uh, him and his wives, they take many of his possessions, most of his herd, and they take off running. Abraham tracks them down. He chases them with 318 servants. I don't know why it's important to know that number, but 318 servants track him down and uh, defeat the marauders, brings Lot back to Palestine, And on his way there, Melchizedek, now his name, Melech, king, Sedek, righteousness. The king of righteousness comes out to meet Abraham, and he gives Abraham bread and wine. So Abraham, in turn, gives Melchizedek a tithe of his own possessions, what he had rescued from Lot. So this isn't something extra he took. This is what was already his. He gives Melchizedek a tithe. Melchizedek is called priest of God most high. El Elyon. Yeah. And that's that's the name that Melchizedek has. Then Melchizedek looks at Abraham, he blesses him, and he says, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who's handed over your enemies to you. And then Abraham gave him a tithe of everything that he had. 
Um, Psalms does talk about uh, God with the name the Most High as well. Quite a bit, in fact. Um, it's it's in about uh, 20 different Psalms. Uh, Daniel talks a lot about God Most High. And then in the New Testament, you get the book of Luke, where the Most High is a name for God. Pretty prominently between Luke and Acts, it occurs uh, around eight times or so. Very interesting. Then he comes back in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of God Most High. So the thing that stands out about this name is that this is the name that's used for God outside of Israel. Mm-hmm. But there were legitimate priests of God outside of Israel. Melchizedek was one. Moses's father-in-law, Ruel, is his name given to him, and then he's identified as Jethro. Um, probably just had both names. But he's uh, consistently called the priest of God. Now, he's not called the priest of God Most High, but he is the priest of the God of Mount Sinai, which is where Moses had his his vision of God. Right. So uh, there were priests outside of Israel, and it appears that a common way for them to refer to God was El Elyon, God Most High. The thing that's so interesting to me about this name, and this is just kind of my interest I've fallen into in the last year that Randy gets to hear me talk about all the time, but I... I came across Michael Heiser, which is a really great uh, author and uh, theologian. And the cool thing about that name is it, it it recognizes the fact that there are other L's. There are other other yeah. gods, yeah. other yeah. other spiritual beings. And this is the most high. This is the most high one. Right. This is the one above right. all of them. That he is he is so separate from the others. Right. And that's the God that we worship. That he is the God of gods, the it, which is, I mean, sort of a theme we'll see. We, uh, just to name a few other names that we may not deep dive, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, you know, that he is the most high over the most high. You know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mentioned that uh, El Elyon occurs quite a bit in Daniel. The reason for that is because where's Daniel? He's in Babylon. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Nebuchadnezzar, and when he talks to Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't refer to God as Jehovah, not by his personal name. Instead, he's the greatest of all of the gods. Right. So he's not kind of throwing it in Nebuchadnezzar's face. He's saying, okay, yeah, you worship other gods, that's fine, but this is the big one. This right. is God most high. Well, it's sort of what Paul does when he's in, uh, where is he at? Areopagus. He's in Athens, actually. Yeah, Mar- is that Mars Hill? Mars Hill. Mars Hill, yeah. Yep. Yeah, when he's talking about the the forgotten God, you know, the, the God that they've they've built a, a an altar to a God in... in the unknown it, God. Is it Rome or Greece? It's in Athens, yeah. Okay, Greece. Athens, Greece. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, they've got a God just in case they missed one. Here's the altar to him. And Paul says, no, that's the real one. That's yep. the greatest one. That, that You missed Let the only one you should have. Let me tell you the story. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's incredible. 
Well, we learn a lot about gods just by uh, taking a look at his names. We've talked about the name of uh, uh, Jehovah, which is God is with me, God is present. We've talked about the name Elohim, which is more of a generic God. Uh, we've talked about El Elyon, the highest of the gods. We've talked about El Shaddai, the God Almighty, the one who is Almighty. There are other names of God, and I did want to at least just mention some of those names. Now, Zach just mentioned a few. We get in the book of Revelation, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Those certainly qualify. But even in the Old Testament, we get names like Jehovah Jireh, and that is the Lord provides. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Mkadesh, the the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Shama, the God who is there. Um, all of these are telling something about the very nature the very character of God, so much so that he is even named. I think my favorite of those names is Jehovah Jireh, uh, the God who provides. I don't know how many times I have simply prayed that prayer, Jehovah Jireh, uh, be the God who provides. You know what I need, provide what I need in this moment because I need it. I'm not going to get by if I don't get it. I like that. That's an awesome. Uh, that's awesome that you can just pray on the name of God. That that when when you pray to God, you can just say, "This is who you are. This is who your name says you are." I know that that's unchanging, and so I know that this prayer is good enough. It's interesting that even in the New Testament, we begin to get other names of Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Jesus. There's the Messiah. There's Lord. Rose of Sharon, and and names like that just abound. The living water, the door, uh, the, the, the divine shepherd, the divine healer. Uh, names that tell a story, that describe not only what he's called, but who he is. Well, well, that's the funny thing about a lot of those names you just stated, is they're direct references back to the Old Testament. They are connecting him, saying he is the God of the Old Testament. Now, we've talked about this before. We did a podcast on theophanies where we talked about places where there is a physical representation of God in the Old Testament. And we believe that this is uh, the, the second person of the Trinity who in the New Testament is given the name Jesus. He may not have had that name back then, but Joshua stands before a man uh, dressed in a sword and falls at his feet and worships him, and he accepts his worship. That's not an angel. That's God. That's, to put it bluntly, that's Jesus. Right. Standing ready to defend Israel against her enemies. 
Right. So, I mean, you could you could even lump in, you know, the, the angel of the Lord as the name of God. You oh, could lump absolutely. In, uh, the the Lord of, of the hosts. Lord. Yes. We haven't even talked about that. But, Zach, think about that. So, Joshua, the night before he goes in to attack Jericho, he meets this guy who's standing there dressed for battle with a sharpened sword, and it's God. Some, what would that be, 1,500 years, eh, not quite, some 1,200 years later, Jesus stands not too far away from the camp where Joseph, uh, where, where Joshua was waiting to attack Jericho. And with 12 men, he said, on this rock I'll build my church, and hell's gates won't be able to stand up in front of us, just like Jericho couldn't stand up. The walls just fell down. This is the same guy. Now, he might not have had a sword in his hand at that point, but he could have. What he had was more powerful than a sword. That's so interesting. That's so beautiful. That, like, I've ne- I guess I, I don't stop and think that often about how um, Jesus had really experienced so much of Israel already, and now he's living in it. You know, I mean, it's God himself stepping down and living in in this place that he has just watched fail him time and time and time right, again, you know, right, right. Or, or have faith in him time and time and time again. He knows exactly what to expect and steps down to live in it regardless. And you know what? We all too glibly will, will differentiate between what we understand of God in the Old Testament and what we understand of God in the New Testament. And we, we try to make differences between them. There's not. It's the same God. The God of the Old Testament who attacked and defeated Jericho is the same God who today attacks and defeats the gates of hell. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, and another point to be made is that the exact same God that laid the foundations of the earth and that told the oceans where they could go and where they could go no further and who hung the stars in the sky, that same God who created man and who who created order is Jesus Christ. And John goes through great lengths in his gospel to explain that in the very beginning of it, that, that this Jesus is that same God from Genesis. And so there can't be any difference. He didn't change. He didn't change his mind. He didn't change his personality. He's the exact same God. So the name Jesus? Oh, love it. Joshua? Um, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. What a name. What a name for the Savior of mankind. The Lord saves. So who are you? What's your name? Lord saves. Who are you? I exist. I'm there. I love you. The Lord saves. The Lord provides. What names? And man, what they communicate is just absolutely astounding. And how funny, too. Um, sorry, just putting this in perspective of, of the rest of the world. All these other like you, you look at Greek, the Greek pantheon, or the Roman pantheon, and you get Ares, the god of war, or Zeus, uh, the the 
the god of lightning or you know you know what whatever the god of the gods whatever but but you start breaking them down and it's like they get one job each like yeah. they can just manage a couple of things that's right but our god says I, i'm it like i'm I'm the whole shebang. Like I, Leon, the I, most high. I'm who yep. you think I am. I'm yep. him. Yep. Um, that's beautiful. I am who you need. No matter what that need is, that's who God is. That's right. Do you have any other names? Oh, there's piles of names. I mean, we could but do this for I, an hour. I, we, could, we could easily, uh, yeah, fill up uh, even more. But, you know, I think the basic point has been made. Uh, God's name reveals much of his character. And throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we see of that character is that it is God's desire to be in a relationship with you. And you know what? Um, If names, kind of like Treebeard said, if names tell the story of the person they belong to, then by the time we're standing face to face with God, I can't help but think you'll have a few more. I think you know, you're probably right. That's kind of an inter- interesting way of looking at it. Um, Maybe part of heaven is just learning His name and. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It to him. Well, you you know, you were quoting the uh, Aslan uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia. What is it? Further up and further in. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there, it's just get, it gets better and better and better with God. That that eternity with Christ will just be better and better and better. And so I can't help but think he won't just have more and more great names, even even into eternity. That like, is a beautiful thought. I don't know. I like it. The whole point of this today is to give you a little insight into who the God that we worship is, who the God that we love and and the God that loves us, who he is. The reason that's so important is because with apologetics being our sort of primary focus here, you need to know what you believe. You need to know who you worship who who you are to obey, why he's worthy to be obeyed, why he's worthy of your praise and your love and your affection. And when you start to know more and more about who God is, you're going to start to know more and more about how to talk to people about him, even when you don't know everything about them, even when you don't know everything about their beliefs. You don't need all that. You need to know everything there is to know about Jesus, about Christ, about God. That's what you need to know. And so that's why we started here today. And we're going to build on that. We're going to get into uh, kind of talking about what the gospel is, what the the good news is, what it isn't. Um, be looking forward to that. We'll be talking about that a little bit probably next week. Sound sound yeah. about right? Yeah, it could be. And, uh, and then looking forward to getting a few fun people in here coming up. So uh, be on the lookout. We have got another podcast out it's called let's find out together and it is with randy and uh, you can actually find that on youtube or you can find it wherever podcasts are so it's in an audio video format just like a youtube video or it's also in just uh pure podcast format so in a podcast what would i look for let's find out together let's find out together yeah. So that's the name. You're not saying that you and I should find out right now. We what gotta it is. quit doing this, man. We've done this all day. <laughs> I keep I keep saying we won't even get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
the podcast is called Let's Find Out Together. Give it a listen. Give it a, a comment, a subscription, whatever you're listening on allows you to do. But that it, helps us out. Um, if somebody has a question, a topic that they want us to treat, how would they get a hold of us? Okay, so you can get a hold of us at Salty Saints at becomehope.com. And uh, if you just write us whatever is on your mind, on your heart, what you think would uh, be a great topic for this uh, podcast, just let us know. Or you know what? If you just need prayer or somebody to talk to, um, get a hold of us and, and uh, we'll make sure that we put you in contact with the right people or that you, you know we get a hold of you ourselves. We'll, we'll make it happen. Um, have a great day. Stay salty. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.